Chapter 24 of The Day's Journey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sabrina Jazz Ainsworth. The Day's Journey by Netta Surrett. Chapter 24. Come and take off your things, suggested Cecily. Her tone indicated that conversation henceforward was to be of a surface nature, and again Rose understood. While she took her toilet things from the travelling bag and straightened her hair, they talked of Cecily's journeyings of travelling adventures, of the places she had visited, and later of Diana and her love affairs. "'It will be all right, I think,' Cecily said, laughing a little. "'Isn't she quaint about it, though? Oh, but he's a nice boy.' When they returned to the drawing-room, and Cecily had settled herself into her favourite chair, she said comfortably, "'There's one good thing. We shan't be disturbed this afternoon. No one knows I'm home yet.' "'I'm sorry to have to break it to you, but everyone knows,' exclaimed Rose, laughing. The day I had your telegram, I happened to be in town in the afternoon, and I met Lady Wilmot. She paused dramatically. Cecily groaned. You told her, of course. Yes, she came sailing across the road, panting for gossip, and immediately asked after you, hoping for the worst in every feature. I couldn't resist disappointing her. Then she put on her face of mystery, you know it, and began, My dear, we must have a talk. Of course, I found I had to catch a train, and rushed off in the middle of a sentence, leaving her palpitating like her own motor-car. She doesn't know the exact moment of your arrival, but you may be very sure she'll be round before long. To see whether the situation lends itself to elaborate or simple embroidery. Oh, she's a real artist. Have people been talking much? she added after a moment. Oh, but of course they have. Privately, no doubt. That doesn't matter. But as far as I can discover, there's been quite a successful conspiracy of mutual acceptance of Diana's illness. The paragraphs about Dick have been useful, too. "'What sort of paragraphs?' asked Cecily slowly. "'Oh, things like, "'We learn that Mr. Richard Maine, the distinguished traveller and explorer, "'is engaged in active preparations for another expedition into the interior of Central Africa, and so on.' "'Is Philippa married?' asked Cecily suddenly. "'No, apparently not. "'Though why she should hesitate to make a good fellow unhappy, I don't—' Her words were cut short by the maid's announcement of Lady Wilmot. Rose and Cecily had barely time to exchange glances before she was upon them, in emerald green brocade and feather trimming. Like a Meredithian heroine, she swam towards Cecily, whom she voluminously embraced. "'Welcome home, my dear!' she cried, and added in a gloomy whisper, "'But why didn't you come before? And where's Diana? And how, I should ask, is Diana?' This, while she shook hands with Rose, was delivered with the air of one who, while allowing herself for philanthropic purposes to have the appearance of being deceived, wishes to remind the deceiver that she possesses intelligence. "'Diana has just gone out. She is splendidly well now, I am thankful to say,' answered Cecily, smiling. "'That's why I was able to come home, and I was so glad it was possible when I heard from Rose last week that it was poor Robert's turn to look ill.' Lady Wilmot looked at her fixedly, before she dropped, with an undeniable thud, into a neighbouring chair. Her expression demanded imperatively whether ignorance or duplicity accounted for the remarks of her hostess. Cecily was faintly amused. She found herself a little curious as to the meaning of her guest's portentous behaviour, though her wonder was only slightly stirred, after all. Her mind was full of other matters. She put her hand on the bell. "'We'll have tea at once,' she said. Lady Wilmot stopped her with a commanding gesture. "'Where is Robert?' she demanded. "'At Alderborough,' returned Cecily. He may be back today, though. He doesn't expect me quite so soon. I'm to be a surprise for him. Her smile this time was tinged with impatience. Lady Wilmot's stare annoyed her. Are you sure he's at Alderborough? She now inquired in a deep voice. Certainly, 
said Cecily, rather stiffly. Lady Wilmot settled her back more comfortably into the sofa cushions, and metaphorically untied her bonnet strings. "'My dear Cecily,' she began, "'I know I may speak before Rose, and you mustn't be upset by anything I am going to say. Now, Robert has been in town lately, I hear.' Cecily had risen, and was standing leaning against the mantelpiece, looking down at her guest with a grave face, touched with involuntary displeasure. "'Robert was here a week ago, I believe,' she said coldly. "'He came to see to the opening of the flat, when the servants came back.' "'Precisely,' nodded Lady Wilmot. "'Now, my dear Cecily, if you will allow me to say so, "'you have made several grave mistakes in your dealings with Robert. "'Oh, yes, I was prepared for a dignified expression and all that sort of thing. "'It's just what a woman honestly endeavouring to do her duty must of necessity expect.' At this point in the monologue, Rose somewhat hurriedly changed her seat to a position from which her face was not visible to Lady Wilmot. "'In the first place,' pursued the lady, "'what, in the name of foolishness, induced you as a married woman of some years' standing to allow Philippa Burton to act as your husband's secretary? In the second, how could you have the stupidity to leave a man like Robert, or, for that matter, any man, for three months? Men will be men, and we can't stop them.' We can only be drags on the wheel. You should have stopped at home, my dear, and been a drag. In the third. Cecily made an impatient movement. I shall feel much obliged, Lady Wilmot, if you will at once tell me why you have called this afternoon, she said very coldly. Lady Wilmot bridled. With pleasure, she returned, quite truthfully. This day week, I was driving past these flats on my way home from a bridge party. It was twelve o'clock at night. Twelve o'clock, I know, because... For a moment or two, Cecily lost the thread of Lady Wilmot's recital. Her attention was fixed upon something else. From her position by the fireplace, she commanded the room. Both the other women had their backs turned towards the door. It was therefore only she who saw it quietly open, and Philippa Burton appear on the threshold. As she entered, Lady Wilmot was speaking her name. Twelve o'clock, when the hall door opened and Philippa Burton came out. I watched her down the road from my carriage window. And now, she continued, half-rising, Having done my duty to you, for which I shall get, as I expect, little thanks, I shall go straight to the Nevernes. Gaby and fool as God knows Sammy Nevern to be, I have a respect for his parents, and therefore... Again, Cecily lost the thread of Lady Wilmot's remarks, continued during the occupation of hunting for a feather boa. Above the heads of the two unconscious women in the room, the eyes of the other two met. In Philippa's, there was agonised supplication. Cecily never knew what prompted her next words. They rose to her lips fluently, and apparently without volition. She was even startled as she heard herself give them utterance. "'I have let you go on, Lady Wilmot,' she said in a voice drained of all expression, though you did not see that Miss Burton was in the room. Lady Wilmot turned as though a fog signal had gone off under her chair. Rose sprang to her feet and moved nearer to Cecily. "'When I tell you that Miss Burton was here the other night at my request,' Cecily went on in the same tone, you will understand that you have made a grave mistake. The faintest flicker of eyelashes was the only sign of surprise which Rose allowed herself. She stood and waited, with an impassive countenance, while Lady Wilmot gasped. At your request? she stammered. Yes, why not? returned Cecily, her mind still working, as it seemed, independently of her. Miss Burton, as you know, was my husband's secretary, up to the time we closed the flat— a few days ago he wrote to me from Alderborough about a manuscript which he thought I had taken abroad with me. I happened to know it was here. Naturally, as Miss Burton knew all about his papers, I wrote to her to come and find it. 
I don't know why she should have chosen the late hour you mentioned, certainly. That is her own affair. Probably she was busy earlier. In any case, my husband was not in the flat at the time. As I tell you, he wrote to me from Alderborough. Lady Wilmot finished patting her boa and readjusted her veil with an assumption of calmness which Rose secretly admired. I am sure I am very sorry. Philippa, my dear, I must apologise. She held out her hand to Cicely. And I am quite sure neither of you young people will bear me any malice, she added, looking from one to the other. You, my dear Cecily, will certainly appreciate the motive. Perfectly, said Cecily gravely. Rose, do you mind going to the door with Lady Wilmot? End of chapter 24 Recording by Zaprina Jazz Ainsworth